Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another Nacho Tuesday. Today, I'm here with Rohan. Uh, he's the co-founder over at DataZip. And without further ado, I'd love if you could introduce your company to us and tell us more about what you guys do over there. Hey, Andy. Uh, thanks for having me here. I'm Rohan, as you said. Uh, at DataZip, uh, we make data infrastructure and analytics on autopilot which is basically that any company today which wants to set up and maintain a data infrastructure to get basic questions like what's the acquisition cost or what's total week on week cohort to answer all of these questions they need at least two to three different data engineers or combination of four to five tools to set up this infrastructure basically solving for that we created a single plug and play solution which gives the entire infrastructure out of the box and requires no engineers to start or maintain. That's what we do. Sounds pretty easy. <laughs> so what got you down this path? Uh, what uh, what gave you the uh, vision and idea to start DataZip? Uh, tell us more about your background. It actually started uh, like in my university days. Uh, I started a startup in AI and LP space. Uh, to be honest, like uh, it was a large LLM startup back when LLM was not, not that cool. Mm -hmm. Like imagine you're doing LLMs back in 2016. Yeah, they're like, what is uh, that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was my uh, days at that time. But yeah, that gave me the actual introduction to how the data comes into the play for AI, how data plays a big important role. Mm -hmm. And uh, lucky enough, I actually got a real deep into the infrastructure analytics, data science side of things before we actually even dipped our toes into the AI side of things. So we did that for two years and uh, we, we got lucky. Somebody like bought, bought us out. But just after my university days, uh, I joined uh, Rapido. It's like a two-wheeler ride hailing. Uh, I was one of the initial data guys. And then uh, I joined another SUNYCON like uh, as the second data guy. So I've always been into data. I've always been the initial data team member for a couple of great startups now. Uh, when I joined, they were like seed stage or series A stage, but now they are great startups with like 300, 400 folks, data teams of like 50, 60 or people. Uh, so that gave me a real good insight into how initial teams uh, are required to be there, like how initial teams, uh, how initial infrastructure needs to be set it up, how teams need to be built up, how workflows need to be built up. And that basically is my selfish reason, reason to create data set. Yeah, uh, your, your, your history is uh, pretty unique. So uh, I guess, would you, have any, uh, would you have any insights for companies looking to get started? Like, what have you learned being part of early stage startups? Like, what's required for success to you know, build a tech startup and ensure that you know, not only your, your uh, tech stack is really set up and your infrastructure is good, but you know, how do you get your business really rolling from the ground up? Uh, what kind of lessons have you learned over the years? So, uh, like a couple of uh, great things I've learned over the years is, especially on the data side, like uh, I can talk about data first, then overall also, but especially on the data side, one thing which I've learned very, very clearly is like data, giving dashboards, giving insights is like just a half the part of your job. Uh, making dashboards is easy. It's actually not the most toughest part of your job. But making something or making some, making a dashboard which can impact a decision, that's tough. Yeah. And so 
what I have learned the hard way is decisions come first. If uh, if your dashboard cannot help any user make a decision out of it, it's just a pretty news newsletter. Yeah, decisions needs to come first. So you, what I have learned is you pick the decisions you want to impact first, or you get your business stakeholder to tell him, tell you like what exactly decisions is he taking day to day, and then you go from there and uh, get back to data. How you can actually empower those decisions with data. Yeah. So that's the hard learning. That's the one learning that I always try to keep with me. Mm -hmm. Like, how can I make decisions based on data rather than uh, get data first and then decide, okay, what decisions I need to take now? Data can be very overwhelming. I mean, you could have all the data you want, right? But if it's not relevant, it's not going to help you make better decisions, right? So the fact that you're collecting, you know, a hundred sets of data points, <laughs> but you're not able to effectively utilize it and kind of get through to the to, what's the point here? Um, it's it's exactly. really not effective at all. <laughs> exactly. Have, and the worst part yeah. is you're spending to collect that data. You're spending to collect that data on both engineering side, infrastructure side, and a lot of things. So you need all of this data. I'm not saying we don't need data platforms. I'm creating data platform out of the box here. We need data platforms, but we need to have the decisions first that we need to take the, from this data platform. That's that's the mantra. Like uh, whenever we go to a client today, even we actually don't ask, okay, why do you need a like? Do you need a data platform? Or not. We ask what decisions you take from data. And how can this data platform be helpful for that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's a key lesson in life too. Is it's always good to start with where you want to end up, and then you work backwards from there to figure out, you know, fill in the gaps and the variables that you need to to accomplish that goal, right? So it was always easier in math, you know, in, in school when you knew what the answer was, and you can kind of work backwards to figure out what the missing, you know, numbers and variables were, as opposed to trying to, you know, come up with a formula from scratch and figure out the output that you wanted to get. <laughs> Exactly. It's always easier to make left-hand side equal to right-hand side rather than just uh, create the whole equation app. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess what other lessons have you learned and, you know, your go-to-market for some of your early stage startups, like what, uh, I guess, what founding principles really mattered that, you know, ensured the success of a company or not, in your opinion? Uh, what really, really mattered, uh, what I've seen, like I've been part of like two, uh, early stage of two almost unicorns now. Like one is like uh, valued at like $850 million. The other one is like $900 million valued. And they are still doing better than most, uh, even in this economy. So what my valuable learning is, uh, it's really important to know your user. And by that, I'm not saying like, know your user like he's your like brother, but I'm saying know your user like he's you. You need to use your own product. You need to understand how a user journey looks like. You need to understand where the, each user is dropping out of the funnel and why. And at the same time, you need not only just this, you need to correlate this data with your own backend data, with your own secondary data. Yeah. So imagine, let's imagine a very simple scenario, like uh, the first company that I used to work with uh, was a ride hailing. So I have a very funny example from there, like, a very funny anecdote. So we used to run this incentives, like weekly incentives. Mm -hmm. And when we used to run those weekly incentives, uh, one one week, uh, because I used to look at everything from the drivers and mm -hmm. uh, we decided we'll basically give everybody super high targets 
and see how many people actually uh, are motivated to go for them. Yeah. Then we realized we don't know our users. Most of our users actually come in as a part-time job. They yeah. don't want to earn that incentive. Mm-hmm. They want to actually do this out of fun or they want to just do it maybe a couple of hours a day. And uh, we need to be like more focused on them rather than just people or maybe just two or three percent of the people who are doing this as a livelihood. Mm-hmm. So that's a very different learning. And you get that when you uh, mm-hmm. basically look at the data. You need to look at your own data. I'm not saying you need to look at your data when you have like hundreds of thousands of uh, users. I'm yeah. saying successful startups look at the data early. Yeah, That's one key learning that we have uh, I have seen across the board. And that's why I'm making this data zip as well, because looking at data early is very difficult. Yeah, Like early, you don't have those engineers. Early, you don't have those uh, tools to come in and do it for you. Yep. Later, you have those like 25 different engineers. Sure, why not? That's really hard. Early, it's very difficult. Yeah, it's it's important to blend that uh, the, the quantitative data too to know that you have a problem. It's, it's not converting. It's not working. And then matching that with qualitative data as well too, right? Maybe running customer surveys. Um, you know, even just talking to your, your customers actually and just kind of listening to like actually putting yourself in their shoes and listening to them and and their problems, right? Uh, so you could better help solve it because the more we can empathize with our customers and understand, you know, what their motivations are and what, you know, the problems are, the better aligned we can be to actually solve their problems and, uh, you know, build a company off of it. Exactly. And when you know your customers, uh, your chances of getting successful is much higher. Yeah. Like uh, when you, you talked about GTM strategies, uh, one of the most innovative GTM strategy I've seen across like my career till now mm-hmm. is one was... We really knew our customers. We knew uh, he's the guy who will basically open up this app to do this, this, this. And this is what he uh, looks for. So we just didn't talk about anything else. We had like hundreds of features across the app, but we used to sell on one. And then when we get that customer on board, Mm -hmm. then we used to cross sell or upsell and actually monetize that user. That's a great point, especially for more complex platforms. It's not like Calendly. It's like send a link and you can book a calendar invite. It's everybody gets it right. But there's a, you know, onboarding yeah. is a very important aspect of all that. Um, you know, and a lot of this. And that becomes a much more difficult piece for SaaS. If you yeah. have a SaaS startup, it's even much more difficult because you're not dealing with one customer like yeah. B2C. You're dealing with a whole new organization. You need to get every user onboarded on your platform. That's yeah. difficult. Yep, especially in B2B, yeah, and, and and you have to keep them there too, right? Because uh, it's all about that recurring revenue, right? And uh, keeping that churn yeah. rate low. So if you if you're bringing customers in, but they're leaving after a month or two, you know, it's not a you know. That's a leaky it. bucket. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it looks good when you get That's the customer history, but if they don't stick around, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like and um, actually mapping that cohort. So mm-hmm. we what I have realized is the second startup which I used to work with was a SaaS. So. Uh, and I was actually like shocked by myself that the analytics we used to do for B2C startup versus a B2B one was very similar. Just the time period changes yeah. or the scale changes. Like we still used to look at those cohorts. Like uh, does my first week uh, or first month user come back on my fourth month or not? Yeah, That's a valid question across the board. Retention, uh, maybe the number of benchmarks may decrease, uh, increase or decrease. Like maybe a B2C startup will have retention like 40%, 20%. Mm-hmm. 
for a B2B SaaS, it may be 80%, but you still need to know that number. And we're in the people business. We're in the business of people. So at the end of the day, whether we're selling a T-shirt or we're selling a complex B two B product, um, we're still selling to people. So you know, the better that we understand, you know, their needs and, and how to better align with that, you know, whether we're selling a complex software as a service product or just a T-shirt, uh, the better that we could be at it. And many times, what I've seen too is that you can learn something in another industry. Uh, actually, many times so you can learn something in another industry that works with people there, and you can apply it to your industry to be innovative, quote unquote. Um, because people people are the same, right? <laughs> they all have the same motivations, and you know they like the same experience. I agree. Right? <laughs> I agree. Like uh, I don't know how much uh, I can say I agree because I have taken a lot from what I have learned uh, in my past career and actually incorporated in our current own GTM. <laughs> or uh, have basically suggested the same GTM to all my uh, all our current clients as well, because when we go in, we look at their data, uh, not from our end. Like, yeah. we, if they don't want us to, we don't. But most of the times, they ask us for help. Like, they show us, okay, these are num these numbers are happening. <clears throat> Can you help us figure out what to do next? And when we do that, yeah. uh, we all the learnings from past come into the play. Like. Uh, you understand, okay, if cohort is looking like this, you should do this. Or if your marketing spend is like this, maybe uh, you can cut it out from here and spend somewhere else. Yeah. All those different KVIs that we have learned across the years actually comes into a big play. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, and it's great that you guys do that onboarding too, because if you can ensure the success of your customers, they're more much more likely to stick around with you guys because you're, you're the guys that got them there, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah, like we love we love our customers. We love our customers. We love uh, how they actually are uh, like working with their data or how they actually think about their business. So we love our customers. We respect them uh, to the core. Uh, we understand like from where they are coming from. And as I said, if I am coming here and saying I need to know my, uh, you need to know your customers like they are Yale. Yep. Believe me, I'm trying to do that every day. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, that's that empathy point again. You know, if you could empathize with people, you could uh, better serve their needs and, you know, they'll, they'll pay you for it. <laughs> um, I guess, yeah. you know, this is a basic question, but why should startups care about data? I mean, it's so obvious, but, you know, we have to say it for, for people that I met a CEO one time of a startup. He said, uh, I don't need data. I know social. And I said, you run a tech company <laughs> and your onboarding is 99% of your people leaving and never coming back. You need data. <laughs> so um aside from that you know anecdote i guess uh why should startups care about data and where can they get data from to to make better decisions uh so let me actually answer this in a more uh more comic way okay. if startups should care about data if they don't want to be a startup five years down the line <laughs> like if they want to be a company uh they need to care about data they need to know uh, what's happening so uh like uh, my mentor back in college actually uh, gave me a really good analogy about data and companies, why they need it. Mm. So as a, let's say I'm a founder today, if I don't mm. look at data or it's basically like I have given, I've been given a Rolls Royce, a really good Ferrari or any good car you can think of. Mm. And I'm just driving it blind. Yep. <laughs> so my Ferrari is my startup, but I don't know where it's going without data. 
Yeah. Would you treat a Ferrari like that? I mean, I know some of these influencers would, but that's more for the social media likes, which they're using data for, by the way, to tell what they're, what kind of content their audience is into, <laughs> which gets them to that point yeah. in the first place. But <laughs> definitely not recommend yeah, like, it. Unfolded. Yeah. But coming to your second question, like what sources of data? So, uh, well, a couple of sources that we have found really good and really working out uh, for our current users is definitely the event stream. Uh, understanding what your user is doing uh, on your platform, how it is basically going from one page to another or one click to another. That's a, that's a gold mine of information of product usage. The second is basically on the leads or maybe the onboarding side of things. You will find them a, a lot of it if you're using the CRM stripe. Let's imagine you have a HubSpot or maybe Salesforce or any other CRM of the world. Most of these CRMs have capabilities to uh, make you write, okay, this lead is at that stage, uh, or these are the correct uh, users for this, uh, maybe my touch points for these leads. Uh, maybe my, this is the, let's say, the organization or the job role of the person I need to do. These things are noted down in uh, CRMs. And if you can actually look, look at it from the perspective, there it is, buyer persona. Literally, in your CRM. Your buyer persona in your CRM. And, and what do you recommend? There's a lot of data spread across. Yep, and what do you recommend for startups? You know, What are some of the initial sources where they should get their data from and what key metrics should they really start to track from day one, uh, especially if they're a B2B SaaS company? Hey, Ron, can you hear me? Hello. Hey, uh, sorry about that. Um, I guess what are some good key sources for, uh, for for data that startups should really pay attention to and what key metrics should they track from day one? Uh, you mentioned CRMs are very important, obviously. Um, what other tools, I guess, should people keep in mind and mm. what, what key metrics as a SaaS startup should they really should they really focus on in the early stages especially? So in early stages, what we have uh, seen is like uh, CRMs is one definitely a good source of data. Then we have sources like uh, for events like Mixpanel, Amplitude, Google Analytics, or, or your own maybe event tracking system. That's one another key source. Then you have your own backend uh, data, like where you're storing your orders or where you're storing the customer information, demographics. You should definitely track that because that's where your cohort is. And then uh, you have a lot of other places like maybe your payment gateways, maybe your marketing platforms. If you're doing marketing, if you're basically doing marketing and not collecting your marketing platform data, then you're just throwing that money. Yeah. You're just throwing that money to Google and Facebook and all the other marketing platforms of the world. So uh, you need to look at that data, understand what happened with that. So these are the common sources that we have seen uh, for a typical SaaS startup. Uh, and the metrics that we normally look at is like, what's the acquisition cost? And mm -hmm. to calculate acquisition cost, you need data from multiple places. Like my acquisition doesn't just come from, let's say I, I gave that person hundred rupees and he became my user. Yeah. It becomes, I'm giving that hundred uh, dollars uh, out through my uh, marketing platforms, through all the salaries that I'm giving to my sales folks, 
or uh, through other channels. Basically, I'm using this character data in, yeah, or to get that user in. So basically, I need to calculate the total acquisition cost. Then I need to calculate how much I'm earning per user on an average per in a specific time period. Yeah. Then I definitely need to look at what's the retention period. These are the numbers required to tell you, okay, this is your baseline. This is your baseline. This is how you should be. Uh, this is how much money you are losing or money you are earning uh, from each user or from as in when you grow. If you don't know that, uh, it may be the scenario that you grow and you're losing money instead of gaining it. Yeah, I've seen a so, lot of things like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you need to track that. And the other metrics that I've seen normally working out is let's say imagine the marketing uh, metrics or maybe the sales metrics what's the conversion rate from your let's say a lead a marketing lead to a sales lead uh marketing or uh, let's say qualified lead mqs what they call then to a sql mm -hmm. or maybe from sales qualified lead to an actual user yeah so all these different metrics you can ask a basic chat gpt like what metrics that a SaaS metric should track but I'm telling you, like these are the key metrics that if you don't know, you're mm -hmm. just burning the money. Yep, and it's it's more important than just asking ChatGPT or just reading a blog post. You know, like a lot of people do, and they're like, "Oh, that's it." But really understanding, you know, the why. You know, why is this data important, right? And when you can understand, you know, why it's important, that churn rate obviously is, you know, one of the key metrics. Is that you know you spend all this money if you have these acquisition costs. You might say, yeah, maybe it costs 100, 200 bucks to acquire a user, and I'm not actually making money on them in the first few months. But if I'm doing my business the right way and I'm following my data the, the right way, I mean, this guy, you know, on average, will stick with me for a year or two years. And that's where I make my money is on, on the people that stick around and continue to use the business. You know, maybe, you know, I look at a high net promoter score. That's another great data point as well. So maybe I spend a bunch of money and I'm losing money on this customer in the first three months. But because I know my data, these people are going to stick with my platform for a while. They're going to refer other customers. And I'm actually going to make 10x the amount of money that I spend on this person. Uh, so yes, let's get more of these people in the door, uh, starting with the correct ICP, of course. Yes, and these are the decisions. Uh, like whether you want to do this or not, I would say these decisions, uh, any startup should actually list down first and then go and, okay, see, okay, to make this decision, I need my NPS, I need my acquisition cost, I need my lifetime value, I need uh, how much I'll make from this user if he sticks on for two years or one year or three years on an average, and then you can actually make this decision. Yeah. So that's uh, from decision to data first, uh, like that's the basic fundamental change that we have seen like works best. Yeah, don't look at and the that's what we empower. Yeah, and don't look at it in a negative way too, right? If your metrics are bad initially, heck, a lot of startups go through that period. But look at it as an as an opportunity to, uh, you know, find a solution, right? And really, that's the fun thing about startups, right? You're not going to have it all figured out initially. You're not going to know all the answers. But when you can see where the problem areas are, you can make the right decisions uh, to actually make make a to make the changes you need to get the results that you're actually looking for in that that formula piece there that we talked about earlier. True. Like if you're in hell, it's better that you look and understand you're in hell by looking at a fire around you. Yeah, don't put a blind uh, rather than just being <laughs> <eye> closed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I guess um, 
Do you have a great example of maybe a company that's doing data, you know, has a great data strategy? I mean, you've worked with a lot of companies and onboarded them. Now, who, who do you feel out there, aside from you guys, of course, being the kind of the hub for data, um, who do you think has a great grasp on their data strategy, a, a company that you've seen execute on it very well? So a couple of great examples, actually. Uh, like I used to uh, follow Uber a lot. Uh, like uh, Uber has been one great inspiration on how they use the data really, really well. Like uh, if you actually go and look at all the research that they have open sourced, Google doesn't actually, uh, it's just a numbers game for them if they want to actually go into a new market. It's not uh, anybody's whim, it's not anybody's thought process and they have a specific uh, S, uh, like SOP standard operating procedures of onboarding a new city literally a standard operating procedure and not flexible about that even if the data says otherwise <laughs> they they have kind of got to that through data they have categorized each city they want to be in into five to six buckets yeah and there's one sop for each bucket imagine mm -hmm. uh like when you have that understanding of your users of your demography of uh how your operations that's a great data strategy yeah, they uh, they have spent money for years, almost a decade. They have recently posted their first profitable quarter. Yeah, they have been able to do that because they understood uh, they need to do this first to get to that point. Yeah, that's a great point because uh, yeah, every every locale has a different you know different different people riding different distances. You know, like New York, it's probably you know just you know you're going up and down Manhattan a lot of times. So you might not be doing a, you know, a lot of hundred dollar trips, right? But in LA, you might be sending traffic going, you know, from one side of LA to the other. And, you know, those trips are, you know, gonna be uh, like 150 bucks. <laughs> and you're like, come to my side or of LA. Or maybe on Bay Area. Or yep. maybe on Bay Area, uh, going from SF down to San Jose. Yep, yep, exactly, yeah. And you're like, what What time, what, what are the traffic hours, right? Uh, do we do surge pricing now or later? <laughs> uh, looks like everyone's- Exactly, trying. and to do, to do all of that from search pricing to uh, dynamic pricing or maybe incentives for drivers, matching the drivers uh, incentives so that uh, at the time of peak hours, you have maximum amount of drivers also available. All of that is a data hard problem. You need to know the data across the board and they have basically captured that essence. So that's why one example is definitely that then we are actually working with a really good, cool insurance tech company. Uh, they have like a amazing data strategy. Like uh, they know exactly how much insurance that they want to underwrite. They know exactly how much new data is coming in and, and what they want to do with it. So it's just that uh, within one year we have seen after taking like, so we gave them the platform about four months back. In, in just that period, they have grown like uh, twice. Wow. And they are a Series B startup. Uh, and Series B, that's a great amount of growth. Yeah, that's a good, good data point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the thing about AI too. A lot of people are launching these AI tools and all that, but you know, AI doesn't really work that well unless you have the right data strategy in, 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 the, uh, in place, right? So a lot of people I see are treating like AI, for instance, as like a feature and not really a business, but you know, AI that's actually powered by the right data can actually, you could actually do a lot of really interesting things with. Uh, one company I, I look at is, a, it's a publicly traded company, it's called Upstart, uh, but they use, you know, I think it's yeah. like 
thousand data points or something. Uh, they're trying to disrupt the whole credits, the whole like a credit system model <laughs> where, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't really trust those things, <laughs> but um, a lot of people don't. Right. And, and, you know, something like that was like ripe for disruption because there's so many other, you know, apparently a thousand variables that you could use to determine if somebody's credit worthy or not. Right. And I definitely agree with that. Mm -hmm. It could be consistency of payments, the type of payments they're making. Um, there's so much more that goes into telling, you know, defining if a person's credit worthy or not. So, you know, that's, you know, an example for me that I see they're really applying it in the right way and using AI uh, appropriately as a business model. Yeah. And uh, to get, so uh, just a quick anecdote, like we actually launched our own AI uh, copilot as well, and it's working really well. Like, uh, so just to give you a little bit insight into the product. So what we do is uh, data set is basically a unified single application. Like if you remember in the initial conversation, mm -hmm. so we can basically connect to each of the data sources that we talk to yeah. uh, in a no-code manner, get all of the data at a single place, we'll manage the storage for the clients, not on our ecosystem, but in their own AWS or Azure cloud. Give them a way to basically clean this data or maybe transform this data and then itself create a dashboards or reports. So yep. all these basically, which has been done today using like three to four different tools or three to four different data engineers to come in and stitch for those tools, we give that as an out of the box uh, solution. But what we realized is since we are doing end to end, we can be the AI, which can basically help the user. Like imagine you are a business user, decision, you right? wanna connect to your Facebook marketer. Yeah you are the decision maker and you want to connect to Facebook marketing, yeah. clean that data or, uh, and then basically get some insights out. Today, there's a whole cycle. You'll yeah. first need to go and uh, go to an analyst. We'll figure out whether Facebook marketing data is even coming into the system or not. Then he'll need to go to a data engineer. We'll first create that pipeline to create, get that data in. It will take him that engineer anywhere between like a week to two months depends like what type of data you want at what frequency you want and so on so uh, that data will come in maybe most probably in a month so that engineer will once again come back to an analyst who will basically take almost two to three weeks more to clean this data and from the day you imagined i want that metric you had to wait like at least two months to get that yeah and, and today's so business world that's is the current issue yeah, you got to work in the speed of lightning today to be successful as well. Um, you know, that's yeah. that's why, yeah, shortening that that cycle is very important for for making decision the right decision. Yeah, but now imagine there's an yeah, now imagine there's an AI assistant who comes in and tells you, okay, this is how you should connect to Facebook marketing. You have an underlying platform who can do which can do that. This is how you need to clean it. This is the column you need to use to basically join it with your own backend data. Yeah, and then. Uh, it will tell you what are the key metrics that you should look at as well. Absolutely. So you have, yeah, you have literally an entire workflow of data powered by AI. And what we realized, uh, the most important piece here is the context. Yeah. It's not, and AI should be able to do that. We have, uh, let's say, text to SQL, uh, I would say, tutorials from OpenAI themselves. They have like literally created tutorials for it. It's very easy to create, uh, go from text to SQL. It's not one text is really important. Yeah. 
it's how you do it and, and the context is what really matters to it right yes context like it needs to know uh, this data is coming from facebook marketing who is the owner of this data who who is the one who is querying it whether you're a cmo or mm -hmm. you're a sales guy or whether you're the ceo who is really worried about the budget yeah or uh, he uh, the context needs to be coming from the system itself as well like how recent was this data was this data collected yesterday or maybe an hour back so all of this context needs to be available for an AI to give you the best answer. Yep. And you cannot just do it by atta attaching, let's say, an AI tool uh, that we have so many now. Yeah, yeah, way too many to count. <laughs> well, uh, Rohan, I, I really appreciate you coming on today. Honestly, I could probably talk with you for hours. <laughs> so, um, But uh, yeah, I really appreciate your time today and everybody um, for joining in today. Um, this guy definitely knows data, and if you're serious about your data strategy um, and you want to get you want to get your startup growing fast, um, data is the best way to do it. Really, having the right data sources, understanding it, um, and DataSip is really one of the best out there to really help you accomplish that. So, if you want to, you know, get your data strategy in in gear today uh, without spending a bunch of money on data scientists, which I know we're all on startup budgets here. Uh, definitely check out Rohan's platform. Uh, they do a great job over there. Actually, we have a fan in the uh, comments section here that says <laughs> he's uh, supporting your company. So uh, we already have a, a couple recommendations for you guys. But uh, once again, Rohan, thanks for coming on today. And anybody uh, that wants to get DataZip, check it out today in uh, Nacho Nacho's B2B SaaS marketplace, uh, the best place to buy SaaS. Or feel free to go directly to their website and uh, support this great business here. Uh, once again, Rohan, thanks for coming on today. Thanks. Thanks, Andy. Uh, thank you so much for hosting me. See you. Thank you. Bye-bye.